Blog Talk Radio. There is no earthly way of knowing. <laughs> Good man, a lot of time. Which direction we are going? Nerecchio Camino. It would have been DWI. A tipping point. Good evening, good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome once again to the tipping point. We're going to have a number of great guests tonight. We're going to have Irving West, Joe Black, Shalandra Royal, and Kyle Matthews. It's a big show tonight, and I am so glad to be joined by Larry Goodman. How are you doing tonight, Larry? I'm doing fine, if it isn't the wily Coyote himself. <laughs> That's me. No, I, I, really, sure. I, I really enjoyed your um, wily Coyote heel wrestler rules. I just thought that was great. <laughs> was that the... Uh, you know, not that I need to put you over more. Your ego's big enough as it is, but I will again. I will sure. anyway. That that was that was uh, uh, full disclosure fifty four. Was that where you did that one? Not the not this correct one, but yeah. the one before. Yeah, yeah. So check that out, folks. Pretty interesting stuff for Mister Platinum. The, the, the Wiley Coyote heel wrestler rules. <laughs> I'm I'm excited because of course I'm excited about this show. Um, and but then afterwards, I'm going to talk to a friend of mine who I was involved with as far as uh, wrestling in the Colorado area. His name is Bob Verhey. Uh He's involved with a woman named Diane Devine, who is a promoter in the uh, Southwest for years and years and years. And they're both sort of intertwined in the wrestling business. They used to always make sure I was at the Cauliflower Alleys and such, but I haven't talked to him in a long time. I'm very excited to talk to him. So that's going to oh, be yeah, a lot of fun. Yeah, that ought to be fun. fun. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, unfortunately, we have some not-so-fun stuff. And, you know, it's, it's yeah. like <laughs> these times are tough enough as it is, right, without people dying. Sure enough. Um, but, you know, we've had several. You know, you mentioned to me uh, this afternoon when we were talking about the show tonight that Scott Bowden passed away. Yeah. Could you, you know, for people who don't know, could you fill folks in a little bit about Scott? Sure, Scott Bowden, um, you probably would know more about the manager side, right? He was a manager in the Memphis area. Um, yeah. But mm-hmm. I, knew, I, I knew him more prominently through uh, Kentucky Fried Wrestling, which um, in the, at the time where I was writing a great deal for websites, they, Kentucky Fried Wrestling was, it was that great medium between things like The Observer and then things like what I was doing, <laughs> we wrote for these like shit starting websites, doing a lot of parody stuff and the, you know, occasional like a show recap, but he sort of walked that line uh, between legitimate sort of wrestling news stuff or, or thought pieces. And, um, and man, I, like I was telling you before, the thing that he wrote about Brian Christopher, Jeff G. Bailey and I were talking about that this morning, where that was as better 
than anybody else's take on it, even Meltzer's. And he's just a guy who loved wrestling. I mean, that's the, that's the first thing I would say about him. He's a dude who loved wrestling, was a huge fan of it, um, was involved as a manager, like I said, but I was really, um, really sorry to hear that. And Jeff and I talked a lot longer about him than you would have thought, honestly. So he definitely made his impact on the wrestling business, and especially in the circles with which I ran. Yeah, I mean, I I was exposed, of course, to his work in Kentucky, the uh, the uh, writings, but I, I knew of him when he managed in Memphis and met him when I, my one foray to Memphis to go to the studio there to watch Memphis wrestling. He was working for them at that yeah. point, and I got to meet him there. Seemed like a really nice guy, funny, you know, a funny guy, but just somebody who clearly, clearly loved the wrestling business, um, no doubt. Um, and uh, so, I mean, yeah. you threw me for a loop because you were just looking up. We were trying to find out why he passed and, and could not do that. But he was 48, same age as me, which stands to reason because I know I, whenever he wrote something that was really good, I would always contact it about him. It, it, that's how the community was back then, the IWC, which I brought up in that video that I did, a tribute to my friend that I wrote with. It was much more of that kind of vibe back then. Even if you were <laughs> sites that didn't like each other, and we were always feuding and fighting and uh, that kind of dumb wrestling shit. But um, <laughs> I would, I, you know, when you saw something good, I would go out of my way to tell people and, you know, strike up conversations. So he was always very nice, very approachable, um, claimed that he read my stuff. I don't know if that was true or not, but he was nice to say it. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and so it goes. And so it goes. Yes. Yeah. Um, another disturbing uh, thing that I learned over the weekend was yeah. that our former um, co-worker at Georgia Wrestling History, if you will, Brian mm. Slack passed away. And yeah. um, Brian had, and he was only I believe 42 or 43. Uh, Brian had stepped away in 2018 due to illness in the fall. But it, was, it wasn't really disclosed what was going on, except that I got a message from his father saying he was going to be out of action for a while because he was ill. Right. And never heard from Brian again, which made me wonder um, what had happened. And um, so, you know, there's a lot more ability to find obituaries online these days than there used to be. And I just said, I'm going to yeah. look. And yeah, sure, sure enough, he died November 2018. There was not any more information about him, and I did reach out, place a phone call to who I believe is either his brother or his father, and I have not heard back from them. But um, Brian did so many thankless tasks for the website. All those show reports he posted, results, upcoming events, did all the, you know, Dirty work. Organizing the, the award stuff. I mean, that's yes. what, that's how most people would likely remember Brian. Um, right. It used to be, I, I mean, because, you know, you get inundated with stuff, I can only imagine. But, you know, when it came to the awards, it was like, contact Brian, and Brian would tally everything up, and he would make sure everything ran smoothly. And it made it so, basically, you and I just had to come do the awards. And That's right. He would just he would just let us know what what the deal was, and we could count on him to get the get the notices out to people, tally it up, and 
take care of him. That's the kind of guy he was. He would just he would just he would just take care of business without you know uh, much difficulty. And I you know I think that uh, I don't know if uh, I, I believe back in the day he contacted Rich Tate and asked if he could help out. And sure enough, there was plenty of things to do. So yeah. and then when 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 Rich uh, uh, you know quit Georgia Wrestling History, it was just me and Brian, and Brian was the one who knew how to get in there and. Uh, deal with design elements and get all the stuff posted. I didn't know. I just sent stuff, you know, and or posted stuff. I, that's all I ever did. Georgia wrestling history, and you know, sounds like okay, here it is, it's yours. But Brian kept kept every kept the ship afloat, and um, he's a good guy. You know, I, I I he I would meet him over in Phoenix City. He would go to the um, great championship wrestling shows. That Diane the Diane Hughes, Hughes shows. Yes. <laughs> oh boy. See, he, he lived over there, so he didn't travel to shows. He he would only go to shows like in Columbus and Phoenix City, but he would go over there. Okay. So yeah, so that's that's where I knew Brian from, and of course I hadn't seen him in years and years because you know there was no more wrestling in Columbus. So yeah, yeah. So um, God, rest in peace, Brian. It, Sorry to hear that. Rest in peace, Brian. Thanks for all the work that you did and the guy that yeah. you were. Yeah. Um, Larry, that does make me think of this, which is. Because, um, you know, there's a number of people who who work on the site directly or indirectly now, right? And, right. you know, we bounce ideas off of each other and complain about things that we don't think should be complained about in public. That's mostly me. Um, <laughs> and that kind of thing. And um, when this whole thing lifts, I think I just need to commit to um, coming down to Georgia and all of us you know, centering it around a show, that would be the most logical thing, right? Where we all, you know, come to Southern Honor or something like that. And uh, all of us just meet up and, and uh, break bread together. You know, it's weird I've, to think that I've, I've never met Myron and Nick. Like I've never right, seen them face right. to face. It's a, Cause you know, as soon as you said Diane Hughes and, and I mean, I used to go to those shows on occasion and I'm like, I wonder if at some point I had met Brian and just never even realized it. And I'm like, well, that's fucking stupid. Like, you know, like Rob Rod, who used to take pictures of PCW shows and stuff. I don't remember actually like meeting him and that's ludicrous. Uh-huh. So it, when I come down to Georgia, um, all of us just need to get together and, uh, and make it happen. I think it would be a lot of fun and it would be another one of those pictures uh, one of those pictures heard round the wrestling ring, like we had a couple last year. <laughs> oh boy, did <laughs> we that ever! Would definitely be one. Yeah, that would definitely be one worth having. Um, we would look like, you know, we would look like a movie. Like we were, we were this great um, softball team, and then we got together twenty years later. <laughs> yeah, well, what, what did these, what did these <laughs> we would look like. have in common? <laughs> <laughs> oh God! So, so this uh, motley crew gets together. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, that oh, that would be a stuff. delight. I'm gonna I'm gonna hold you to that when when we get through all this, you know. Yeah. You know, you, yeah. I'm looking forward Did to that have, day. I seem to remember there was one other bit of news. I can't remember. Oh well, this deserves a whole show, but the passing of Joe mm. Pettacino. Absolutely. Hmm. Um, I read a quote that uh, Tom Pritchard put up about uh, Joe Pettacino and, and what it says about how wrestling has changed. And I thought it was really great. It's in the, in the tipping point, but I mean, to me, like I, like I've said many times before, wrestling was something that we, I was lucky to be in Hawaii. We got to see it all. We really got to see it all. I, in fact, I don't know 
anybody else that I've met in a different part of the country that got to see as diverse a sort of like wrestling buffet as I got to see. And of course, with thanks to Pedicino, you could see show after show, you know, just in that ridiculous block, which I was lucky. I didn't realize on the main line that thing showed at like all the way until like two or three in the morning. Is that right? Right. right. But in right. Hawaii, at one point, it's, 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 yeah. In Hawaii, it started around around 11 or noon. And oh, so yeah. it was just, we would just have it on and then it would go through at the night. But, you know, <laughs> we would we would play pool at my friend Scott Tong's house, which was like the party house, because his parents would stay upstairs and leave us alone. So we would play video games and have the wrestling on. And we would, you know, play pool and have the wrestling on. And, um, man, it's just, it's just so hard to imagine. When you think about Joe, what do you think about Larry? Well, I think about his um, couple things. One, the first time he got involved in rest in, in an angle. When he first started on the show, he had Jody Hamilton on as a guest. Oh, boy. And Jody got in his face and threatened him. And, I mean, I'm sure it was a work, but with Jody, Joe looked pretty scared. He looked pretty scared. They were setting up some kind of an angle they were going to do it at Deep South Wrestling. I remember that kind of lump in his throat. Um and then um, I also remember when he when he's when he did his promoting. Of course, uh, as I mentioned in my write up, and Mike Johnson did a great write up on, on on Joe Pedicino actually uh, on his life. But when he got, of course, that's how Scott Hudson and Stephen Prezak got into business, which which Steve, which uh, excuse me, Scott explained when we had him on the show. Um, and when they ran Miss Kitties, uh, Miss Kitties in Marietta with Bug Robley as the uh, <laughs> Booker. And uh, Jerry Blackwell, I, how he ever came to Georgia mm. to do that, I don't know. But Jerry Blackwell owned it, and they brought in Dick Slater and Luna and Bruiser Brody wrestled wow. there. And, yeah, it, in, in this little um, nightclub, it was a very cool place to watch wrestling. And, and they packed it out for a while, but then, you know, for whatever reasons, I think it was probably pretty expensive, the people he was bringing in. And uh, sure. then it faded. And he, then he wound up in the auction part in Alpharetta, which we also discussed on the show. So that's I, I, I remember him, yeah, as a, a lot as a promoter um, t- during those years. So yeah, wow, sad, sad to tough see him one. go. Ca- came in threes this week, man. That's really really tough. But um, um, what, what you want you want to preface what we're going to do tonight, Larry? Because I know uh, we're about to have Irving West on. But uh, what's your, yeah, what's your well, thinking behind what's going to happen tonight? I'm just really curious about how all of this um, that we've been going through with COVID is impacting people. And, we're you know, one of the reasons that, you know, you and I talked about who we wanted to talk to about this was, like, to have people who are kind of, like, at different stages of their careers and um, yeah. how, how they're looking at that and um, – you know, how it's affecting people on a personal level and how it's affecting them on a professional level yeah. and um, going forward. Cause you know, it's still so much, so much of an unknown how this is going to uh, move forward. I mean, of course we know our illustrious governor is starting to open up the state as of Friday, but what that means for actual wrestling with crowds is still a huge black box. Right. Um, and, um, yeah, so that was kind of like the that was my basic kind of thoughts about. It. I wanted to hear hear what these guys were thinking right now after not having any wrestling or anything really happening, and 
God bless him. These are all people who've stayed off, as far as I know, has stayed away from saying stupid stuff on social media, which helps. Yeah, that that narrowed the field down a little bit, certainly. <laughs> <laughs> and um, uh, again, uh, as a reminder to our friendly listeners who most likely listen to my videos as well, um, shut the fuck up is always a viable option. It's always a viable and often the preferred one. But tonight, um, each one of these, Irving West, Joe Black, Shalandra Royal, and Kyle Matthews are going to get um, a solid 15 minutes, right? We're, we're not going to overstay our welcome with any of them. We're not going to, you know, force them to continue to talk on and on and on and on. We just kind of want to get in there and really give them a chance to to speak and, and for you and to a lesser extent me to ask them very insightful questions. So, very Hopefully open-ended so. Well, questions, yeah. Let's get started. We've got Irving West on the line uh, right now. Um, welcome to the Tipping Point, Irving. Thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it. Nice. Sure. It's, good to, it's good to talk to you, man. Um, likewise, what, likewise. What's a, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to open with a question because then Larry will have good ones. Um, so, <laughs> my question is, um, what is your what is your typical day like now? Like or your day to day throughout this whole bullshit that's going on? Day to day, I've been fortunate enough that in my line of work, I can do everything I need to do remotely for the most part. So I've spent a lot more time at home as I think everyone else has, but it's been a bit strange not having the. Uh, divide the clear divide between work and home I think has been the strangest part thus far but yeah just for the most part it's still you know eight to five day-to-day work and then other than that a lot more exercise actually than even before when there wasn't a shelter in place order so I suppose that's one kind of a positive I'm curious about that uh Mm-hmm. Explain a little bit about more exercise than before. Well, it's interesting trying to fit a normal workout regimen into what is already a, a fairly full schedule since up to this point I'd been working full-time, uh, a student full-time, and then oh. also training and doing wrestling throughout the week. And then weekends and if there are weekdays that I'm booked and I'll be doing those shows as well. So um, like everyone else, it's just kind of a balancing act. And I've found that oddly now that travel time has been nothing. uh, I have a lot more free time on my hands. (laughs) And so uh, with that, I've decided instead of being bone idle that I would try to assuming wrestling comes back, uh, you know, return in better shape than when I left. So, so you know you you know for those who aren't familiar with you of course you were you know pretty much just getting started with your career right when when this hit yeah. how long had you been wrestling when when we got hit with COVID? I'd been wrestling just over a year, uh, training longer than that, but actually actively taking bookings for just a tiny bit over a year. So yeah, so you're just really getting off the ground. And oh yes, absolutely. Boom, it's it's over. I mean, for I mean, over for now. Over for now. Right. Um, well, uh, I'm curious too. I'm, I'm jumping around here a little bit, but what's mm-hmm. what's your uh, career work? What's what's your um, vocation? 
I've worked basically in and around uh, the academy, universities, and so forth um, for most of my professional life. It hasn't always been one job or another, but it's usually in the realm of either tutoring or teaching or uh, things adjacent to it. So, um, yeah, this has been another odd component of how everything has changed is I'm used to that environment and that type of energy around me. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, not, not so much anymore. Um, I've worked with a lot of different student populations and now it's just down to the email and zoom communication, which I don't particularly care for. Uh, so that's been an adjustment for me. Um, maybe it's not as big of an issue for people who are sort of used to that type of communication, but I absolutely am not. So, you know, you, you mentioned, you said the word energy. I think it's a great word where it's, it's the little things that you don't think of, right? It's unintended consequences. Like I was thinking about my kids and school-wise, as far as their work goes and test scores and stuff, they're doing great. They've always been great students. But I was mm -hmm. thinking about, like, the social aspect of, of, one, getting yourself ready on a clock, going to someplace mm -hmm. else where they're not near their parents, being able to sort of inter interact with their peers, interact with their teachers, and now their lives are getting the work done, a once-a-week meeting online with their teacher for, so they can get some face-to-face -face time. But other than that, I mean, all the like residual effects of going to school are gone. And for you, all of the things about going to work are gone. What do you, what do you feel like you're missing the most as far as wrestling goes? Because you got to wrestle for, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but it appears mm -hmm. like that the year that you wrestled, you, you got to wrestle in a different way than a lot of people. You weren't just sort of pigeonholed. You got to have some element of creativity. It seemed like you were doing stuff that was a little off the wall. When you wrestle for a group like Southern Violence, right? Mm -hmm. Where you yeah. and you and Ashley, is that her name? Like yeah. you, you have, you have that feud going and then you're at PCW, which is, I mean, whether it's me or Hankins or whoever else has run it, it's always been fucking wackadoo, right? Like, I oh, mean, you're, you're not, you're not, you're not walking in there and, and, you know, there's a dry erase board and like you're wrestling wrestler X go, you know, you guys get five minutes and, you know, don't do anything too crazy. Like that's never yeah. been directions I, that been, have been given. I've been exceptionally fortunate in that respect. And, um, it's something that I wouldn't necessarily have known had I not been given perspective by people who've been doing this for much longer than me. You know, um, our trainers pointed out to us like, yeah, I mean, that you get any say-so is actually sort of not the norm, or at least it wasn't. Um, most people are kind of just given something and then you work with what you, you have. And so uh, SVW have been – really fantastic in terms of uh, working with me and being transparent with me about their ideas. And then of course, PCW has been uh, from the start. Uh, I was fortunate enough to be able to participate in this since, since it came back. And um, right from the get go, I was hooked on everything again to do with the energy of it, to come back to that. Uh, the locker room was unlike any other place I had been um, just a real sense of uh People just going out there to try something. Um, maybe not everything will stick, 
but to take the risk. Um, that that was what drew me to it, and, and I think to SVW as well. Um, whether people like it, really, you know, that's down to personal opinion, and I'm not offended one way or another. But being able to try something that's engaging to me has been huge. Um, so, yeah, I've been very lucky in just the year that I've been able to try a lot of different things. Speaking of trying different things, then you find yourself in a in a mafia group at Anarchy. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that um that came together in a uh, very sort of serendipitous wrestling fashion, which is uh, you know, at training our trainers would be there of course and then Rick Michaels and other people would be in and out kind of doing what they're doing to, to keep things running and it was sort of a light bulb moment. Uh, for Anarchy, they're like, okay, we have all of you here, we have this, we have this, and it just kind of all took shape really, really rapidly. Um, <laughs> and in wrestling, as we've been told many times, and this is a perfect example of it, things will change and progress in ways that you can't expect necessarily. So we thought it was going to be much further out when we started doing La Familia, but it ended up turning from, oh, we'll see in a couple months to, all right, we need you ready next week, basically, you know, um, just as a function of how, <laughs> how everything goes. Um, and so that was, that, was, um, that was educational for me as well, I think. It's, it's an important thing to have that flexibility, and that, that's something I've been trying to learn as well. I'm wondering how um, you deal with the, or how you've been dealing with the, Lack of the um, routine. I mean, one of the things I miss is that routine. Of, yeah. But like I would do the same things on Saturday when I was going to a show, and I'm sure you had your routine to go into shows, and now that's all wiped away. Strange. I'm very much – I benefit from structure, and that's something I know about myself. It's honestly probably what's kept me so close to school and, and the academy is uh, the fact that structure is really a part of it. So that's been very strange for me. I've built so much of my life in the past year or two in between training and working shows around the fact that wrestling will be happening at these times each week, whether it's training or shows or otherwise. And it just vanishing all at once has been jarring. Um, I, I'm certain that other people have expressed this. I've seen people say this online in a number of different ways. Um, even just in a bodily sense, it's very different. I had already become accustomed to just being generally physically anguished, not in like a miserable, can't do anything sort of a way, but, you know, just soreness all the time. That's just kind of how it was. And now I'm back to just, oh, okay, I feel like I normally would any other day when I haven't been getting thrown around by people three times my size. And <laughs> it's just a different experience now. It's very strange to become accustomed to something so wholly unnatural and then to return to, I guess, what is the normalcy is <laughs> and to have that, on the other hand, seem very strange now. Um, the wrestling is interesting for me, too, because it's something that I don't know I've put more effort into anything I've ever done, um, which is strange for me to, to consider, but now that I can't do it in the traditional senses that I, I was used to, it's it's been strange. I've been trying to find creative outlets that could still 
further what I've been trying to do uh, without necessarily having to be in the ring as, as everyone else has, but not having the structure really is difficult. I have to keep myself to a schedule or else I won't get anything done. I'll be absolutely idle. So you brought up the size. You're a small person to get involved oh, yes. in pro wrestling. What possessed <laughs> you? I've got to ask, what possessed you to try this? Uh, I mean, wrestling, it's the one interest I've had the most consistently throughout my life. Um, my earliest memories are of, of watching wrestling, though they're vague memories. That's kind of where I where I go back to in terms of my happy place, if that makes sense. Um, and for the yeah. longest time, I never thought that I could even attempt to do it because of my size. Uh, it just didn't seem like it was in the cards for me as a kid. I grew up idolizing guys like Big Van Vader and thinking that, oh, okay, cool, I'll grow to be the size of Vader one day, and then, you know, wrestling will make sense. Um, that clearly didn't happen. Uh, and so at a certain point I was like, all right, I guess that growth spurt's not coming. So, um, you know, that kind of went to the back burner. And I got started on the wrestling thing rather late, I suppose, too, um, by most standards, especially the people that I talk to. You know, they start 16, 17 years old. So I'm small, and I started late, and it seems perhaps like not the most intelligent idea. And I've had people tell me as, uh, as much, but I just – would have regretted not trying um, yeah. at the same time. You know, I have had reminders that even though I'm small, um, there are a lot of wrestlers who are and have been much shorter than they appear just by virtue of how they carry themselves. And um, that's been something I've been trying to, to consider as well. But yeah, I just, I, I had the opportunity to do it Um I'd been toying with the idea for years, and um, I was lucky enough to make an acquaintance with Nigel Sherrod, um, and I'd asked him where he trained because I loved watching him wrestle, and I still do when I get the chance to. But, you know, so he pointed out that the Landmark Arena is where he kind of got his start, and that got the wheels into motion so that we were able to uh, – speak to Azriel and Slim J and yeah. that's, that's really kind of where it went from there. They've been amazing, fantastic. So, Well, I, I don't want to rush you, but I want to make sure everybody answers this same question. So I'm mm -hmm. going to go ahead and ask it. And that question is, now that we've hit this pause button, and we don't know how long this pause button is going to be, but right. it feels like it's a chance for renewal, right, or a chance for things to mm -hmm. – be different when we go back. What's something, and you can talk about this in terms of just individually, your own career, or promotion that you work for, or just a more general blanket statement, whatever you choose. What's something that you would love to see be different when wrestling gets going again in the state of Georgia? I think that some of this already began before everything came to a complete halt, but it's thrown it into starker contrast, is I... I just love seeing people take risks just like I've felt we do when we wrestle in TCW mm. or in SVW. I want to see people challenge themselves and the audience as well. To me, there's nothing more despicable than writing down to an audience. I understand and you know, agree with the disdain for the fans 
and for their really bizarre expectations of performers. But at the same time, I think if you give people the benefit of the doubt narratively, they'll come with you if you do it correctly. And so I don't think it always has to be very traditional. I love very traditional elements of wrestling and of theater, but taking risks leads to rewards. And I think WrestleMania this year is a perfect example of what happens when we're forced to do something a little bit outside of the norm and then the rewards that can come from that. So I think that's something that I'd love to see people carry into wrestling, kind of making its return to people being proximate to one another again, just trying to challenge ourselves and each other and, and the audience. And I think hopefully we'll get more from it. Not every experiment's going to work because that's how experiments are, but I would rather experiment and fail than do something rote and boring. Um, so that's just my take on that. Perfect. Thank you so much you for coming much. on. Yeah, Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. And I'm looking forward yeah, to man. hearing from the rest of the guests, too. Um, really, really heavy hitters, the whole lineup here. Yeah. People that I really yeah, look I think up, so honestly. <laughs> Phenomenal. Great. All right. Well, thanks again. Be safe out You're there. You're welcome. All right. Take care. Speaking of heavy hitters. Yes, sir. <laughs> Joe Black is Maybe in the, the house. heaviest. Yes. <laughs> Possibly the heaviest hitter of all. Yeah. How you doing, Joe? <laughs> I'm maintaining how you guys doing. Good. Good. I have a I have an incredibly superficial, unimportant question to start with, which is, um, how are you getting these workouts in? Because like you, you post them and I mean, you know, Gunnar Miller's built his own gym, right? So that's why that, that dickhead, like, has <laughs> all these weights to lift. I get it. How are you getting it in? Because, I mean, I know, you, you know, you've posted before, like, I'm, I'm in a chair and I'm just using this simple set of dumbbells and doing all these different things. But then I've also seen video of you, um, it, what it looks like to be a gym. So how are you getting these workouts in? Because you have to work, I'm sure, incredibly hard, much more than most, to maintain what you got. So how are you doing it? Home gym. There's the bench. There's some dumbbells. There are, I think, weight-wise plates, it's up to about 260. So um, just got a power rack. That was a display, a floor display at Dick's. Um, Oh. Yeah. Sweet. <laughs> nice. So, Joe, this came at a time when it looked like you were going to have a big year, to say the least. Um, uh, and, you know, now we're just, like, completely on hold. How is that, how is that hitting you mentally? Honestly, at first, I really was of the thought that man, this is going to, this is really going to throw my thoughts into disarray because last year around Mm. this time I was injured and I was, I had cabin fever real bad. I was going stir crazy. I actually had a very close friend checking on me nearly every day. And I say this and it's going to sound like I'm saying it in jest and maybe for me it's funny, but maybe to some it'll hit close to home, but he said, you know, the reason I'm checking on you is not so much because of your injury, but because I really thought that by now, you probably would have killed yourself. And I read that, and I was like, yeah, that's funny. But then the more I thought about it, I was like, huh, 
that perception really isn't flattering to me. Now, I know I'm very ambition-heavy and I'm super driven, but, you know, I didn't want that thought that, you know, there's no wrestling, we need to check on Joe. So that actually happened again. The same friend was like, how are you doing? And my answer might have shocked him, but I'm actually doing pretty good. I haven't missed wrestling as much as I thought I would, if any. And that may come as a surprise to some people to hear me say it, but I've enjoyed this downtime. I don't enjoy the circumstances that created it, but yeah, I mean, for the first time in 12 years, nearly, I'm actually able to relax. My body doesn't hurt. Um, I'm actually enjoying some video games that I've always wanted to play. And <laughs> when wrestling starts back up, I mean, I don't really see it. A lot of people are saying it's a reset, and I guess in a manner of speaking, it is because wrestling is going to have to reboot itself. But yeah. for me, I mean, my my gimmick, my persona, whatever you want to liken it to, it's just me. I just dial it up a little bit. So I don't really think I have too much to change. I don't really think I have too much reboot. That's not to say there isn't new ideas that I'm cooking up, but when wrestling starts, it will be wrestling at its core, and its root will pretty much be the same. So until then, I'm just enjoying life for once. That's nice. Do you think um, I was? I stumbled upon an episode of Seinfeld today, uh, and I haven't watched that show since it went off the air. And in it, like Jerry like learns to display emotion and feel them <laughs> instead of just being the callous, you know, it's like uh, one, a girl every week, but he actually feels bad because the girl is broken up with him. And so it gets him in touch with all these emotions. So he's constantly crying and stuff. And they go like, well, how do you feel Jerry? And he goes, well, the bad news is I'm not funny anymore, but <laughs> otherwise I guess I'm good. Right. <laughs> Cause there's something about like comedy that really does come from this really dark, place of dissatisfaction um do you worry that when wrestling comes about again are is it going to be a switch that you turn on or do you feel like are you worried in the least of like this life of i don't want to call it comfort obviously nobody's comfortable right now but like you said you're not hurting um it's it's you've been able to actually engage in normal people shit for a while so do you think that that's going to cut into your ability to get back into being joe black the professional wrestler not at all, because mm. everything that is me character-wise has derived from this onus that I feel has always been, you know, put upon me is that I have to aspire to my own brand of greatness. What I consider to be great, some yeah. might see as mediocre, and some might even see it as he's chasing this perfection, and we all know we will never catch it. And I know I aspire for such lofty heights simply because I know in my lifetime I won't catch it, but the closer I get to it, that puts everybody else how far but you know behind me because their aspirations may be, you know, I just want to wrestle on TV. I did that. Their aspirations may be I want to get signed. But, see, I don't want to get signed and it be acting to a collar around my neck to where now we dictate what you say, how you say it. And my whole thing is it's everything that people see in the ring, it, it's – it comes from a dark place because everybody that's a creator of some sort, they have their darkness, and that's where all that creativity comes from. My favorite author is Edgar Allan Poe. And all the things that Poe, his onus was just deep despair. But his despair created, you know, the detective genre. His despair created some of the greatest novels and poems in human history. So my life, their entertainment is how I always see it. So I'll always be able to just 
switch over to that killer, the black cloud, the Joe as a performer, it's easy because that darkness, even though I'm enjoying the light, that darkness isn't going to go away. There's always going to be a shadow. So as soon as the bell rings, I can kind of lapse back over into that. And I'll probably be pissed off because all the games I downloaded, I pretty much beat. So now I'm getting bored again. And by then, the stir crazy may have set back in. But, you know, I don't think my intensity is going anywhere at all. Nice. Um, Larry. One of Steve's videos, he said that about, of this COVID, he said experience like this is reveals things about people's character, doesn't test them. What, if anything, has been revealed to you about your character through this? I um, started meditating a lot, actually, um, mm-hmm. just to kind of just to center myself in because there are a lot of repressed things about myself that I would like to discover, things that I just chose to ignore until they no longer existed. I'm trying to bring back to the forefront of thought because I have time to, as it were, slay the demons. Um, All this time off has revealed to me is that, A, I don't need pro wrestling to coexist with the normal world. I don't need it as a catharsis, which is what I tricked myself into believing for over a decade. My my sanity is not hinged upon pro wrestling. But for 11 years, I told myself that, made myself believe it, because I felt like it lent itself to my intensity. Like, Joe's so intense because he's so dedicated to the craft. It was actually William Huckabee that helped me see it a different way. Um, And that revelation, I feel, is going to make me more of an in-ring competitor because for so long, I told myself I have to get signed. I have to wrestle on TV. I have to do this. If I don't, I failed. But when I look at the things I have accomplished in my career, these are things that, you know, Alan, the child, the person behind Joseph Black would have been like, man, you were working for Booker T. You know, you, you got a tryout match, you know, that AJ Styles pulled you and James straight to the side to talk to you, you two about, but, not everybody else, like, you got all these opportunities and it's not good enough for you. Um, so now I'm actually comfortable with what I've accomplished. If I get signed, cool. If I don't, life goes on. So it just revealed to me that wrestling, while a piece of my passion, while a very tried and true love, and while I've rested my head on her bosom for years, I don't need her. I mean, mm. I want her. I desire her, but if she decides to, you know, spurn me as a lover, then life goes on. Yeah, man. Mm. Larry. Um, is there anything about your your upbringing, that, and, I, and I don't know anything about your upbringing, but of course, but that has helped you prepare to de- for this experience? I mean, I'm thinking that people that we've, never really gone any through this kind of life disruption in upheaval of daily routine uh, ever before. So is there anything about your upbringing that helped you prepare for this? Um, As a kid, I was very to myself, very um, introverted. Mm. I wouldn't say antisocial, but anyone who knows me, they'll know that it might take me months just to open up and have an extensive dialogue with you. And that's not because I'm arrogant. Um, it's just simply I'm just an introverted type of guy. And 
you know, I had friends, of course, and, you know, there was family around, but I preferred to just be by myself. I just, you know, be in my room playing Mega Man or Street Fighter or something or reading a book. I didn't really like to be in the midst of crowds or whatever. Um, never to this day did I figure out why that is. But I would say that because of that isolation growing up, it was self-imposed. But, it, you know, it's... You know, people are going to the the extent of, I'm going crazy. You know, I'm just sitting in the yeah. house. And, and Huckabee right. said it themselves. Like, a lot of people are getting in touch with who they really are, and they're not liking who they're seeing. And, of course, he, he poked fun at it because Huck is Huck. But, you know, I'm comfortable with myself. Like, I don't need to be around people to feel like my individuality is with this person or around this group or in this promotion. I'm actually okay being by myself. I'd rather be in the ring, yes. I'd rather be in the gym, yes. I'd rather be in a tattoo chair, yeah. But I don't need distractions because of who I am. I'm not trying to avoid any of my hang-ups or any of my vices. I'm not trying to run for myself, which a lot of workers, I'm not going to say any names because I'm not trying to discredit anybody, but a lot of workers are getting in grips with who they really are as a person, and it's driving them crazy because who they are as a person may not be a desirable person to them. So now a lot of a lot of promoters too. I think I mean just yes. seeing the public things that people are saying. I mean I've never wanted to tackle more people and go shut the fuck up. Like, <laughs> but Same. but you know we're I, it's amazing. Thirty days will do. Um, it's yep. really shocking to me. I know I shouldn't be shocked, but I am actually. Well, let me, Joe. Let me hit you with the with the question, um, the one that I'm yeah. going to make sure I ask everybody, which is, so we're in a pause, right? Um, mm. What's something since since in a lot of ways there's a potential for a lot of slates to be wiped clean or whatever. Now this could be as far as you personally, promotions that you frequent, or just an overall statement about the scene in Georgia. But like, what's something you would love to see changed? I would like to see more Suge D's, and this is what I mean by that. Mm. Sugar has always been completely comfortable to be himself. He's never really made any concessions about who he is as a performer. He never tried to be this super jack muscular guy because this is what pro wrestling demands, yet you look like he's always been comfortable in his own skin. I would like to see more of that. You know, to hell with what pro wrestling or what your peers feel you should look like or what you should be. Much like Irving West, I am, a lot of people forget I'm pretty short. I mean, I, I have a stature to me, but I'm also pretty short. Um, but I didn't let that, I didn't let people say, well, you're a shorter guy, so you have to wrestle this style, or you're a shorter black, you know, athlete, you should talk like this. The, the words you use, you know, it's very Nick Bockwinkle-esque, but are you really the one that should be saying it? You know, do you really think the mm. demographic will get it? I just want my peers to feel more comfortable being themselves instead of being phonies. I want them to realize that when you're outside of the ring, the gimmick is over. You become a real person. Don't be a piece of shit. This time has revealed a lot of pieces of shit in wrestling, and let's just, yeah. let's just not. And also, there's nothing wrong with create creativity. Like, from your entrance to your gear, it's more – I know there's going to be a lot of guys with cool spots when this is all over. It's probably going to be cooler spots than what I do. But they're not going to lend any time to their promos. They're not going to lend any time to why they're doing the spots they're doing, which ties into psychology. So 
be creative. Be different because when the business comes back, there's a lot of people that just got released. It's going to be cutthroat. A lot of people are going to be gunning for these these spots. A lot of these spots that you may be comfortable in, it might not be available to you, or you might have to prove you deserve it. So, yeah, when wrestling starts back up, they probably don't want the same you that you were when it stopped. So do something different. Don't know what that is for you. I know what it is for me, and I've done it. Find something different. Find your creativity. Don't be a piece of shit. <laughs> oh, <bitch. laughs> uh, that makes me feel so good. It's <laughs> <laughs> wonderful. Well, man, um, enjoy the video games. I, you know, I. For me, I only play one video game. It's the mobile game that I that I do for charity every year, and that's a constant thing in my life. But um, with my kids, you know, they have these games that they're just obsessed with but not in the normal way like they watched videos about these games for years before they had them mm-hmm. and so like getting to to take that journey with them because i mean i've been you know i'm old right like we had pong in my house right <laughs> so so for me to be able to play with them and them to go like oh it's like i'm like I, i've never played this game but i can just tell you that this is the theory on which it runs or, you know, this is how you can deal with this kind of thing and watching them like, you know, achieve success. And, and sometimes outdo me, like sometimes it's me dragging us across the finish line on a level in cuphead, but sometimes like I I get knocked out and then it's up to my kid. And when she pulls it off by herself, it's, it's wonderful, you know? So Video games is really, I, I think video games speaks more to the modern wrestling condition than most people can even understand. You know, like a guy like Jim Cornette, I, I think doesn't understand that that's, that's so much a part of the sort of persona of wrestling, the, the, the way that the boys are and all that. If you don't know video games, then you don't know them. And that sounds really facetious, but it's not. It's like if you don't know video games, you can't get into the mind of these guys. And I think it's it's integral. Um, gameplay and solving problems and just being able to relax in a social way that's also yourself. Um, it's a thing unlike that we've had before. And uh, anyway, that's a discussion we can have at length in another time, I'm sure. So... But thanks so much, man. And, uh, you know, obviously you're staying up and you're doing your thing. And, um, you know, a lot of people look up to you. And I certainly understand why. And hopefully we get this whole thing going again and see where it goes from here. I don't, I don't, th- I don't think you're one of the guys that has to worry about a spot. That's for sure, I would imagine. I would hope not. I don't think so. <laughs> Thank you very Thanks much. Thanks a lot, Joe. Joe. Take care. Yeah. Well, two for two, I would say. Uh Irving West and Joe Black, certainly really really lucid, smart guys. Um very different points in their career, but uh had a few similar things to say, I'd say. Yeah, well, we're going to get another perspective, yes, a female sir. perspective. Um, we're joined now by Shalandra Royal. Welcome to the Tipping Point. Hi. Hey. Hi. <laughs> How are you doing? I'm doing well. How about you? 
I'm good. I mean, this whole craziness. But um, yeah. all right, I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna start off with a stupid question because that's what I do. Okay. So here's my stupid question. So um, I looked at the the video you guys did. I'm I'm old, so I don't know the name of the challenge, but the one where basically everybody's passing off. This is how I really look, or this is how I look when I'm relaxing. Boom, then this is how I look when I'm in gimmick. Then you throw the thing, the other person catches the gimmick, and then they do it as well. So I looked at the one that you guys did, and it's, it's my favorite of the ones that I've seen, and God knows there's been five billion of them, right? Like um, when you guys were doing it, what's the process? This, again, here's the dumb part of the question. What's the process? How did you guys decide who was going to do it, and then how did you coordinate what object you're throwing and all that kind of stuff. Was it, was it really as deep as it seems? Cause that, those things seem like they would take a lot of planning. Well, fortunately I wasn't the one that put it together. I was just contacted by it. And I, um, I was just told like, Hey, do you want to do this? If so, just send me the video. And it kind of fell apart a little bit because I wasn't told like what I should hand. Well, at first they told me like, Hey, just use your microphone. And then later they're like, okay, change it to a cell phone or something else. And I'm like, well, I already recorded it, and this is quarantine. There's only so many problems I'm going to get pretty. So here it is. (laughs) (laughs) Now, Larry, bring the room down, Larry. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I'm glad you asked that question because I was wondering the same thing that you just asked. So I'm glad you you did ask that. But I'm I'm curious to know – how are you dealing with the um, quarantine fever? Or do you not have the quarantine fever? I I don't have it the same way I believe everyone else is, because I'm not going to lie. At first when it happened, I was a little bit bummed because I was ready to take 2020 by storm. I felt like people knew who I was now, and I just needed to prove why I am who I am and why people need to pay attention to me. And then this happened. However, I like to try to look at the bright side of things like, well, maybe this is the time where I can continue to transform because I still need it growing to do, especially wrestling-wise, gimmick-wise and everything, really figuring out who I was or who I am. Relaxation time, a self-meditation time, like um, just really getting to know me. So this isolation may feel like a, like a cage to many However, it's just a cocoon for me. Mm. Mm. You know, because, yeah, you know, it really felt like you were at that point where you're getting ready to take off. And then, (laughs) boom, it's all just on hold. Yeah, and that was a bit depressing until I realized, you know, there's just more. You know, I don't know what would have happened during this time if the COVID-19 pandemic happened I could have been injured I could have hit another wrestling rut I could have self-destructed you know because there's a lot of things that happened similarly in 2019 but I'm like you know what while the world is on pause let me continue to do some work and I feel like this break has probably been the best thing for me wrestling wise I would agree which sounds insane no I, I agree Larry I'll just speak with me anecdotally I have yeah, not no. seen this much Shalandra Royal Like, (laughs) since COVID-19's happened, your name pops up all the time in my feed. I see you involved in different things. I just see your name all over the place. And I thought to myself, like, 
That's remarkable. That's why when Larry said that he had contacted you to do this, I was excited. I was like, perfect choice. Like Larry always makes the best. I just have general idea shit. Like, Get a bunch of people and they said, like, make sure we, make sure we have a woman because we always have a bunch of fucking dudes. And then, and then Larry was just like, I'm Joe Black and Shalanda Roy. And I was just like, oh, my God, perfect. Like, I could not have picked better, honestly. So, yeah, I see you all over the place. But, but Larry, what were you going to ask? I'm sorry. Well, you know, one of the things I've been experiencing is um, changing, uh, shifting, reexamining priorities reexamining my mm-hmm. priorities, and that, that I think COVID has helped that. Has any of that happened for you, Shalandra, as far as adjusting your priorities as a result of this? Oh, definitely. It, again, it's unfortunate that a lot of things felt like they were taken away during this pandemic, but it's mm-hmm. given me time to really self-assess and really figure out where my priorities were. And at one point, I was just existing. I wasn't living. I was just waking up early in the morning, going to work, contemplating whether or not I still like the human race when I'm at work. Then I would go home for a couple of hours trying to get myself back and contemplating whether or not I want to go to training. Or when I'm at training, I'm thinking about the next day or I'm just thinking about getting through the drill and not really making it mean anything. And for so long, that's what was happening to me. Well, over a period of a few months, but it felt like forever for me. So when this pandemic happened, my job was snatched away, training, you know, shut down, there are no bookings, and I'm forced to sit here and open my closet and address the skeletons and really reassess, and I feel like I now know what my priorities are. I now know a little bit more about myself that I was refusing to deal with because, again, I was just existing, and when the world keeps going you can't expect the world to just stop and let you get your bearings. You have to go with mm. it. Fortunately, the world kind of did stop, <laughs> which is rare. And I'm like, you know what? Yeah. Let me take advantage of this. <laughs> How are you dealing with the um, loss of the social aspects of, well, <laughs> Pick one, life in general or, or wrestling, um, you know, the, all the cutoff from the normal social things that we do. The This is going to sound weird, but, and I'm sure a lot of wrestlers may be able to identify with this as well. And by me being still semi-new to the business, it's like still so fresh for me. But a lot of my social life was cut out anyway. I was becoming good friends with wrestlers. I met training, I met work, but I met training and, or, you know, at the time, you know, I was dating someone that was in the business and then they had their friends. So it was like, everyone was in the business. I didn't really get to hang out with people outside of it because they didn't understand it. It took a lot of the time. So when this happened, I just continued to talk to people um, via phone and Facebook. I would still go see people every now and then. So my social life really didn't suffer anymore because it already happened now the the crazy part is I miss actually going to like hibachi places to eat because I like to eat in the places yes. and a barbecue and I can't do that and that's what I miss about the social aspect because some foods just don't hit the same way where you have to take them home you know <laughs> yes so I miss yeah, food I, well I, I would say plus this your generation is much better equipped to deal with now 
than my generation, mm-hmm. right? Like when I was wrestling in the late nineties, if something like this had happened, there were, I mean, there were girlfriends that I had that I only saw when we had wrestling gigs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you yeah, know, I'd pick, I'd pick Lori up and then we'd go drive forever to get to the place where we were. And then, and that's when we would catch up and then we would be together for like these three or four day runs. And we wouldn't see each other otherwise. And we'd communicate rarely because we had to do it via phone, not a cell phone. Whereas for you guys, you're already good at keeping in touch with each other. You, you know what's going on because of Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and all the rest of it. And then if you ever want to communicate with each other, I imagine you just text each other and check in. Well, that's for some and, of us. Yeah. Because um, I'm still, and it's weird, I'm still kind of like the, the old school way as well. Like, I want to see you. Like, I want to talk on the phone. I'm not great with texting. And I'm just now getting better with social media before, if you saw, like, my Twitter, it was so barren. I don't like taking pictures of myself, so now I'm trying to do that. <laughs> and with Facebook, yeah. you know, it was my personal Facebook at some point. So, like, with, you know, my significant other at the time, it, that put a strain as well because we did see a lot of each other because of shows. Because we are going to shows together, handling, um, you know, or training, you know, things like that. So when that got cut out, it's like, ooh, I don't see you as much. You live like almost an hour away. I can drive that far. So it's good for me mm. now that I think about it. Yeah, yeah. Shonda, I want to ask you the, the same question I asked Joe. What, if anything, in your upbringing prepared you or helped you with this experience? With wrestling or this pandemic? With this COVID, this pandemic experience. Uh, well, I was, I was that kid that tried to do it all. And there was downtime didn't exist to me. Mm-hmm. I always did a sport, couldn't do, and there was a season I had video games. I would write, I would draw. I was a part of like every group, you know? Yeah. So when this happens it's like well I obviously can't get physical you know I should do other things so now I've invested time in really learning video editing so I don't have to wait for someone to do that myself Mm. I've made music you know like I you know have a song that's going to come out soon for wrestling as well I you know yeah like I'm the fighting siren I have to have music right um (laughs) um I, I know I have a YouTube channel now and I'm trying to like release content. I have more content coming out. You know, I have new gear. I have a whole new look. I have, you know, like I said, it's a cocoon, cocoon, oh, I can't talk, cocoon. And that's how it was as a child, you know, when I couldn't do one thing, I had something else. And I always just remembered like the end isn't always the end. Sometimes it's just, you have to switch the direction. Yeah. All right, now here comes my question that I ask everybody. Um, Now that we're on pause, when wrestling resumes, whenever that is in the future, since we have an opportunity for things to be different, since we're going to be resetting in a lot of ways, what's something that you would like to be different in either Georgia wrestling as a blanket thing, the promotions that you frequent, or you yourself in your career? What's something that you would like to be different? For me, I would like to be more confident in my abilities. I want to be more confident in 
in my training. Like I've got, I've had great training and I want to feel confident when I do get opponents that I might feel are better than me or been in there longer than me. I want to feel confident, be able to give them the best version of me because they deserve yeah. that. As far as the wrestling scene, because I feel like that, forget this, I want them to remember that they are they are also teachers, you know, because I, I, it's easy for me to see it because, again, I'm still, you know, in the beginning stages. I'm still learning. And I see a lot where, or I hear a lot where there's certain people that's been in the business for a long time, someone makes a green mistake, and they, like, pin it on them. And not realize, like, hey, like, they're new, or maybe you should go talk to them, because at one day, they're going to be in your shoes, hopefully. Yeah. But don't kill them out before they get there. Yes, but you never know who you're going to work with, and you never know what that person's going to be and how they could help you or harm you. So I just wish the vets would remember that, hey, your teachers, try reaching out and helping hold that hand back, because sometimes we don't know. <laughs> and we need to learn. Right. Absolutely. Well, awesome, Shalandra. It's a total pleasure to talk to you. Um, I, I gotta okay. say, I mean, lots of people tell me lots of shit, <laughs> as we all know. And uh, I've never heard a bad word said about you, which is incredibly oh. rare. So uh, keep doing what you're doing. Uh, can't wait to. Uh, hopefully, I'll see you get to be in action live. Um, now that I've sort of committed to. Uh, <laughs> coming to Georgia and hanging out with Larry and Nick and Myron at some and Rob Rod at some point. So I look forward to seeing you. All the best. And I look Stay forward to meeting you. Thank you. Thank yeah. you guys. And it's so great to talk Thank to you, you all. So I can't wait to see you. Thank you. Bye. Bye. See you soon, hopefully. <laughs> nice. We're keeping the trains running on time, more or less, Larry. Can you believe it? Yeah, it's rare for us, but we're doing it. Um, I, I think we have Kyle Matthews in the queue. Let's find out. Yes, sir. Is that you, Kyle? It's me. Nice. Thank we you. We did the Manning intro. Multiple time technical wrestler of the year. Two yes. time Georgia wrestler of the year. Um, the man who has mastered the family TikTok video. Congratulations yeah. on that, by the way. Those are, uh, they're so adorable and they make me feel like such a bad father, Larry. Like, so <laughs> Kyle puts up these, it's like, look, here's me and my kid racing in these little cars. And I'm just like, oh, man, and my, my stuff's all, you know, ah, here's my kids <laughs> pretending they're squaring off for a fight over Easter. And then Kyle puts up, like, the adorable dad videos, man. They're really great. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Yes, sir. We have so, fun Kyle, doing them. Kyle, unlike those other fucking whippersnappers that we've been talking to, for you, um, it's a different story, right? I mean, you've, you've had a great career, but coming back this time was about – you know, getting more. And now you're going to lose minimum three months, four months, five months, maybe longer. We don't know. How are you taking that? Well, I guess it just right is now. what it is. Yeah, it, it mm. kind of is what it is, right? Like 
don't really have much control over it. So uh, just do things like make family TikTok videos to keep stuff coming out. Yeah. Wow. I mean, that's it's a very practical, intelligent answer. But <laughs> have you always had have you always had this kind of attitude throughout your career of like you know I can, what I can't control I will just I will just deal with in a very like logical yeah. way. Have you always been yeah. that way? I I think so. Um, I think that's just kind of how I I'm programmed in my brain. I guess just it is what it is, right? We do we do our best, and it is what it is. Deal, deal with the hands we're dealt, right? Mm-hmm. Larry. Does it um do you find it in any way discouraging about your comeback that that it's gone the way it, this is you know, happened the way it has? Well oh yeah, of course it's discouraging, but I mean, um it's that way for everybody though, right? Like if you look at guys that are kind of like going on the up that are kind of right on the cusp of, you know, maybe getting a big break and now they kind of have to start all over too. So, um, it kind of just is what it is for everybody. However, on a good note, uh, guys like Shiv D and, uh, Alan angels and Matt Sells and, uh, a whole crew of Georgia dudes are getting, getting opportunities because of it. Right. So, um, you know, those, those dudes are making the best of their, their opportunities. So that's awesome too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I went out of my way to sort of highlight Matt Sells and especially Suge where I thought one thing these guys got to learn when these opportunities come out is you got to find a way to stand out. Um, that being the good soul, it's because it, wrestling is in part performance. So being the good soldier and the good hand isn't what attracts attention, right? It's the ability to catch an eye is a different skill than the ability to, to be a good hand. So what have you, you know, obviously you're technical wrestler of the year many times, Georgia wrestler of the year twice. What's something that you're looking to sort of tweak in your game or accentuate that perhaps needs accentuation um, this time around. Yeah. I, I think that what you just said is very uh, apropos as in the good hand, right? Like that's kind of been me my whole career. Like for a long time, I was just like the, Hey Kyle, have a good match guy. Like we can put him against mm-hmm. whoever and have a good match. So um, I, I think coming back, that was, that was one of the reasons I changed my gear Um I, I went with a different song, like just, just try out different things just to see if somebody would be like, Oh, look, Kyle's got cool new gear. Like maybe that'll help me stand, you know, just anything to try to be a little different than, Hey, Kyle has some trunks and some, and some boots. Like he'll wrestle, like just try to be something different. So just uh, bring out some more charisma, I guess, if I have any of that. <laughs> Larry. What is, um, what have you learned about yourself through this um, COVID-19 experience? Um, wow. Um, I think I've learned you can adapt to situations that you didn't know you could and to appreciate the things that you always took for granted, right? Like, so at my shoot job, as the kids say these days, uh, we, we've never worked from home before. That's never been a thing that's ever happened. So now right. our whole – our whole staff is working from home. Right. So, uh, and it's mostly people in their fifties and sixties are mostly the people in my office. So 
you know, that's a big transition for them who, who aren't super into technology. So the fact that for a month and a half or so now, we've all been we're working from home, like it shows that in any situation you can adapt and, and make it work. And then of course, appreciating, you know, going out to dinner, like that's, that's something that we haven't been able to do for a month and a half, like that you would have taken for granted two months ago. So just seeing your friends, like, without being six feet apart. Like that's stuff that you always have to, that from now on, I think we'll all appreciate much more than we ever had before. So like, are you feel like you're doing well with the stay at home? Are you getting any of the uh, cabin fever, quarantine fever kind of stuff or how, how is that hitting you? No, yeah, I, I'm doing okay. Um, binge watching shows. Uh, I've been going for runs every day to try to stay halfway in shape, uh, doing home workouts. Right hanging out with my daughter, making TikTok videos, as Seema's made fun of already. Um, no, I'm not making fun at all. Uh, <laughs> They're great, them. man. I actually, and I actually found, uh, uh, while I was cleaning out uh, a closet, actually, I found a big bin of old VHSC tapes from matches from, like, 2003 and 2000, 2007, and a hard drive with stuff that eventually I'm going to uh, upload. I've uploaded some stuff already, but I got a yeah, thing now yeah. to pull it from DVD and VHSC tape onto my computer, so everyone can laugh at me when I was 15 years old wrestling. <sighs> nice, <laughs> nice, nice. So, um, yeah, good times. <laughs> Larry, when this um, started, what were you? What were your thoughts? You know, like the last active weekend of wrestling was Mar- that weekend of March 12th, March 13th, and then after that, that was it. That was mm-hmm. when when this hit. Did what were your thoughts? Like, oh, this is going to be a, you know, this will be over quick. Did you well, did you see a long ordeal? What kind of? How did you view it when it when yeah. it when it hit? Um, so I worked for the school district, and um, our first case that we had in Cobb, I think, was right around that time of um, uh, when when wrestling kind of shut off. So. I, I thought they they were closing the school the school for two weeks, so I was like, okay, well maybe two weeks, you know, and we'll kind of be past it. Um, and I think kind of everybody maybe kind of thought that that it would just be like a kind of short short thing. That obviously it's it's not it's a much bigger thing than than we realized, I guess. So um, yeah, I kind of thought it was going to be a short thing, but obviously. It's, How do you look at it now? Are you optimistic oh, um, about? Well, I, I'm glad I'm not the person that has to make decisions about uh, <laughs> when to reopen things and uh, when, when not to reopen things. I'm glad I'm not that person. Yeah, uh, they have a they have a very uh, an enviable task of, you know, there's a lot riding on the, those decisions. So I'm glad I'm just a peon that just does what people tell me. Yeah, it's one one of the things what, I wonder about is when are people going to be ready to go into crowd situations again, regardless of what yeah. when the the powers that be say it's okay to do that. Are people going to be ready? To right. Do that? And I, I don't I don't pretend yeah, to have yeah. any answers. I just wonder about. Yeah, it. Yeah, I don't. That's what I mean. Like, um, you know, when I talk to people, I'm like, so like even like at a major league baseball stadium, right? Are are you going to skip like four seats in between people? Like, how do you even how does Ticketmaster even control that? You know, if you block yeah. off four tickets or you block off six, you know, I don't, I don't understand. That's way above my knowledge of 
understand. I guess on indie shows, we could just put two people and then move six feet and put some chairs, some more chairs or something. I don't know. Yeah. I don't I mean, know how, how that works. How weird is that? How weird is that going to be to, to put 50 people in a building that would normally have 250 people, just for example, and, you know, because that's right. all we can do with social distancing. Um, I mean, I've wrestled in front of Wes, but, you know, it's, it's okay. <laughs> what's, the, what's the fewest amount of fans you've ever wrestled in front of at, at, at a bonafide show? <laughs> yeah, I think two, two? and try and were still happening. It was in a storage building. Not like at a storage facility, inside of a storage building. <laughs> if you search on Pierce Tapes, there's a, there's a Hollywood Brunettes versus regular guys match on Pierce Tapes on YouTube, and it's in front of like four people, I think, <laughs> in a storage building. <laughs> I wonder, do you do you go backstage after you finish your match in front of two or four, and do you guys pump each other up? Do you go like... Yeah, but they they were really into it. <laughs> they, were, they were so into it. They were all the all the boys' girlfriends and wives, and they could be cared less. <laughs> Tremendous. Tremendous. Yeah. Um, I, I want to make sure I get my question in. So my question to everybody okay. has been, since, since we're on this pause, and there's a chance for things to reset or to change or whatnot. Mm -hmm. What's something you would like to see that would be different um, once things get going again? It could be for your personal career. It could be for wrestling in the state of Georgia or promotions that you're affiliated with, whatever. What's something that you would like to have be different? Oh, okay. Um, uh, Let's see. I I personally would would love to teach some. Um, I've been mm. kind of putting that on, on hold for a while because uh, I'm finishing my second degree in, in, in college, but uh, I've, I will finish that up next week. So hopefully, I would like to um, get on get on some teaching stuff. Something I've been putting on hold that I would like to do. Um, overall, uh, I think could we all just agree not to post dumb things on social media? Can that be? Oh like my a, God! You're here. Like a like a like a thing. I don't I don't know why that's just something we, can, we even have to say, but we can hope for everyone. Just don't post stupid things on social media. I I will say I can only speak for me, but I I will say in PCW when I would see somebody post something fucking stupid, I would just contact them privately, and maybe I wasn't the nicest about it, but it would be like what good can come of this? I mean that that came up recently when you know the racist thing came out and then people were going after Mike Jackson and blah 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 and then there's one guy in particular who felt the need to chime in and just goes like well all I know is whenever I dealt with Mike Jackson he was great so I don't think there's any chance that he's racist and I messaged him and went um you don't have to say anything (laughs) like like nothing good is coming of that message you know because if you're because if you're a black wrestler who's just told the story of how you've been called the N-word by Mike Jackson seven times, and then here comes this other guy saying, like, well, I got off light, so it must be fine. Um, like, nothing is served by jumping in on this stuff, right? No, nothing yeah. is served no, by you. You're clearly the one that people are going to be like, you're clearly the one people are going to be like, no, you're wrong, right? Like, if, if that's a conversation you want to have, you can have that at a different time. Obviously, that wasn't the right place to post that. Right, right. Like, it's yes, just, 
Oh, what a great suggestion. Uh, and, you know, we have a little bit more time. Uh, Larry, I'm going to put it to you. What's something you would like to see different? Um, Since you're, you're the one having to go watch this shit. So, <laughs> I, I, you know, I, so kind of where I am right now is I'm not like angry about what WWE is doing or what anybody's doing. I'm just not that interested. So mm. I think it came up with one of the other folks on here, creativity. Um, that creativity element, um, and hopefully this pause has, will spur creativity um, if things, particularly things don't go back to the way they were before or don't go back that way for a long time. Um, something that spurs my interest that has just really waned with these empty arena matches that the major um, companies are continuing to do. That's what I wish for. So, so like, um, can I ask a question? Yes, please. Please. Okay. So uh, all of the people that recently got released, right? Mm-hmm. So um, there, there's some big, there's some big names in there, right? Like Dash and, right. and Dawson is obviously a big, a big one, and Hero is obviously a big one. Do, do you think in the current situation, what do you think their, their spot is on the Indies? Like, what do you think? What if you're one of those guys? Like, what is your mindset on the Indies now with the current situation? If you're not getting a spot at AEW or NWA, maybe I don't know if they're even running. But like, what what do you think? What do you think your plan is? I, I think first of all, you're crying because there could not have been a worse time to get released. No, and right. with, with, without COVID, and and I mean that's another thing that makes those releasing so terrible, in my opinion, because they're releasing them at a time where they can't make a. If this had happened in an earlier part of the year. All of those guys, and I mean all of those guys, would have made, been able to make a decent living on the indies alone with what right. the indies mm-hmm. had come to pay, especially with Mark Promotions, and there's a ton of them out there that will pay your top rate, right? They would have been just fine. But now, mm-hmm. I don't know if you're them, you have to think, you just have to, you have to pray for rain, right? Like, fuck, mm-hmm. I hope spots open up because – I mean, to count on AEW. Now, if you're, if you're, of course, if you're, if you're dashing, I mean, you, you pretty much got a spot and you know you do. And if you're, and if you're the good brothers, you know that chances are you can go to Japan and you'll be okay. But, oh my God, if you're, if you're Drake Maverick, assuming that that, that isn't some kind of weird, elaborate work, um, I mean, he would have been good on the Indies. I think he's the kind, he's the kind of guy that just by virtue of, his genuine sadness at losing that gig and the fact that he's so easy to work with. He's somebody who could have easily made a uh, four to 500 in indie gig and been a, been a skipping stone and being able to go places and make merch. And you know, that's yeah. not bad. 1500 a week um, with your expenses covered in getting this great reputation. He could have been able to do that indefinitely. Um, so mm-hmm. man, that's the part that broke my heart, Kyle, where I just went, right. Fuck, these guys can't make money. And, and even, that's why, even that's what like, made it seem doubly inhuman uh, frankly. I mean, just to put my opinion out there, I just thought it was an right. incredibly callous move. Mm-hmm. Even guys that, you know, will land on their feet, like, like hero and the revolt and the good brothers. Right. I, I mean, I don't know what they're, I'm sure they got the 90 day, whatever, but, um, 
you know, that, that's still a long time before, you know, who who even knows when AEW is going to tape, tape again or New Japan is going to run shows. Right. Again. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, even if you're, even if you know you're going to have a spot, doesn't necessarily mean you're going to have money now, right? It's going to be, right. it's going to be a while know. in Japan. The Japan isn't going to restart yeah. anytime uh, soon. The way things are looking over there. And what, and and you know, we haven't even talked about this. What's the pay scale going to be? Right. Because exactly. if, if yeah. I'm running a show where I don't know how many people are showing up, right? Like, it, let's let's just be specific. Let's say Southern Honor, right? So they're drawing four to five hundred. Are they still going to? Probably. But what about other promotions that run two to four hundred? Not just in Georgia, but anywhere. Are they still going to draw that? I would imagine the closer you are to metropolitan areas, the more you're going to pay for it with your crowd. That's my prediction, mm-hmm. that there are certain promotions that won't really see a downturn because they're the promotions where the people are more likely to go, oh, we just need to open everything up anyway. Dumb shits, right? Mm-hmm. And so <laughs> dumb shits aren't going to stay away. You're fine. But other places where they're going to be like, or they've just got out of the habit of wrestling is not a habit for them. I think we're seeing that with Mm -hmm. television, right? Ratings aren't going to go up. They're going to continue to slightly trickle down because people are just out of the habit of watching because they've they've gotten into watching something else. And that's what I worry about as well. Um, But yeah, it's a great question. Um, you know, again, my heart just broke where it's like, oh, my God. Oh, but could you imagine getting released? I mean, indie wrestlers are lamenting and crying, and people are being kind of callous about it. Like, yeah, but they don't make a living doing it. True. But, again, it's a form of income, and yeah. or it's money, and it's, or it's, your, it's, it's like Shalandra, I think, really put a fine point on it. Like, wrestling was my life, right? I go to work. <laughs> I go to training. And then I hang out with people that are all wrestling people and I date wrestling Mm -hmm. people. And I, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm sure a lot of guys got really excited when she said that. Right. And so, (laughs) and now, (laughs) now that's different. Um, I couldn't imagine if I was running PCW full bore, Larry, could you imagine? I mean, when we were doing two shows a week minimum and then doing a masquerade show and all of that just came to a screeching halt, I would have been insufferable. Well, I would have been like, I don't know what I would have done, frankly. Bringing it, bringing it back to Georgia, I mean, AWE could have the toughest road to hoe of anybody being located in the heart of Atlanta. Getting, I think so. You know, getting crowd, yeah. And, and, and what not they to deserve, yeah. Not to mention everything you've been, angle, storyline, whatever mm-hmm. you want to call it wise, right? You're, you're resetting now, basically, right? Because how many people are going to remember what you did two months ago, at least, right? Maybe three, maybe four months ago, like without a vehicle to um, keep that storytelling going, right? Either through YouTube videos or what, whatever, but still, how many people in the live crowd are going to remember like, oh, yeah, this guy beat this guy four months ago? Right. Well, and, and I mean, goes so here's, here's my accent on creativity. Yeah. 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 Here, and here's my plea about creativity. Promoters and bookers who are listening to me right now, don't do fucking tournaments as a substitution for storytelling. Because I have a feeling a bunch of people are just going to want to press the reset button and they're like, we're going to have a tournament or we're going to have a battle royal to determine the new champion or whatever the fuck. Like, 
you have time to figure it out. What's something you can do that would be infinitely more interesting than we're just going to hit the reset button? Um, Cause I, I don't want to pay if I'm a, if I, I'm, I'm excited to go to a wrestling show, right? Like I'm, I'm a, I'm a wrestling fan and I, I've been away from it for two months, three months, six months, God forbid, longer. I'm all fired up. We're going to go, we're going to get the dollar hot dogs. And I sit down and they go like, well, you know, I know a lot of you guys don't remember, like let's avoid one pointing out the obvious right, of like, I haven't seen you guys in a long time, so you probably don't remember this, but, I mean, spare us the exposition telling and spare us hitting the reset button. Um, I don't know what that means, but there are ways that you can have people genuinely excited and joyful. I think that's the feeling that everybody needs to capture, which is the joy at, we went through this traumatic thing, we shared this common, terrible experience together. Now let's celebrate being back and seeing what form that's going to take. I think that should be on everybody's agenda, frankly, Yeah, is capturing that fear. And I, and I think that sports has kind of always done that, right? Like if you yeah. look at like the, base, the baseball and, and football games right after 9-11, right? The, they, were, they were kind of that thing like, all right, now it's on. So I, I'm hoping that th- the same thing happens after this, when whenever we can all congregate together, right? That's that's kind of always been our bond together as a society, I think. Yeah, I, and I mean, for for I'm going to answer my own question. Something I hope that changes is getting rid of the simplistic framework that you have to have an enemy no matter how stupid it is in order to function. And I'm somebody who functions that way very well as well. But I think this is a time to squash petty beef. Who fucking cares? (laughs) I'll just put it that simply. Who fucking cares? At this stage in the game, do you really care about the promotion that's running in the same town? Does it really matter? It doesn't matter. Um, do you really care about the, the person who uh, may have said something that offended you at one point, pointing at me? Um, who fucking cares? Like, who fucking cares? Nobody cares. And so get back to your own sense of excellence and your own success instead of fixating on some imagined slight and how it matters at this point in 2020, because most assuredly it does not. That would be my goal. Right something I would love to see changed. So, that, so there's kind of always been a thing like I've never been like a big into the, the drama of wrestling or anything because I've always thought mm-hmm. like at the end of the day I'm up there in my underwear in front of four, 400 people right in the grand scheme of life will I ever probably see those 400 people again and whatever drama is going on behind the back, backstage like is it worth you know ruining my life over 400 people that I'll probably never see again in my life like you know just it's, it's there for us to have fun and like escape from our boring everyday life right so like just have fun and leave the drama wherever the drama is yeah i think the 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 word is joy man like i think people need to find the joy in the activity the joy in the social aspect the joy in the interaction with the crowd and the joy of getting to fake fight in your underwear i mean it's fucking ridiculous 
And, yeah, and frankly, great. for wrestling people to get the stick out of their ass about things that they're supposed to feel like they need to have a bugaboo about. I just use the word fake. It's okay. We're amongst friends. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, like, focus on the things that are going to help. Um, and, I mean, that's what Larry's been about. I think that's, Larry, if I could just put it out there, I think that's a lot of the reason you haven't been feeling doing the show because you don't feel, in, you haven't felt inspired. Though this show you certainly were. And I think that's what we need to encourage in each other as well. Two words, joy and inspire. Like, you know, when I see, like, when Shalonda Royal, when they did that video, people contacted me and they're like, you know, I kind of want to do one of those videos. Do you think it's bad because it'll look like we're ripping off? I'm like, they're doing a fad thing to begin with. So you should yeah. do it as well. Like, yeah. that's, that's what's really great about young people and social media. To put, you know, there's so many horrible things about it. Like, having to be on Twitter makes me want to fucking shoot myself because you see how dumb <laughs> a lot of people are. But I think it, it is fun when people embrace, like when you have Jeff G. Bailey embracing a, a Twitter fad, I mean a Facebook fad, I thought that was great where he's like, well, here are the four non-wrestling things I'm inspired by. What the fuck? Jeff G. Bailey is doing that? But why not? You know, like em- embrace inspiration, embrace the joy. I love those those videos by Kyle. Like it makes me go, shit, you know, when I got the kids next week, we're going to be putting out some videos. You know, yeah. <laughs> like, you because people love it and inspire and joy. So. Well, Kyle, do you want to talk about any gigs? You know, <laughs> that's been the best part about COVID. <laughs> let, me, let me tell you something positive about COVID is we don't have to let people get in their cheap plugs, which is always nope. the part that I hate the most. So, what you what you got coming up in wrestling? Well, I'm hoping by uh, you know August maybe we I have, can. Uh, I have this thing that I can't tell you about. That's that's my favorite. I have this thing that I can't tell you about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can. <laughs> but you know, you know, keep an eye out for me because you never know. I it's I, I mean again, be grateful Georgia, and be grateful Florida because. These national shows have featured, you know, Matt Sell, Suge D. I, I mean, you know, Danny Jordan and Ellen Angels and the rest Johnson, of the country. Right. Yeah. The, the rest of the country would cut somebody's throat. And, in yeah. fact, that's one of my, I mean, kayfabe. Uh, you know, when I give suggestions, I won't say any more than that. One of my major suggestions is, the problem I have with the no fan shows that we're watching from WWE and AEW is they feel very small, is that everybody knows that they're taped in locale X and they're not going to be anywhere near them. And I think people are feeling a disconnect. And what those two national, those shows with the national following need to do is to reconnect with the rest of the country instead of just, well, we're here at the performance center. <laughs> Sorry, Poughkeepsie. You you know yeah. you can watch from afar. Um, obviously, you're you're not going to be able to tour, but I think that there's ways that you can continue to connect to an audience um, that wrestling is now going to have to figure out and explore. And I hope that they do. Agreed. Uh, mm-hmm. It's so important. So, anything else you want to talk about, Kyle? While we got you? Uh, I don't think so. I think that's how old. How old is that kid, by the way? Uh, four. Yeah. 
she seems very happy and uh, very energetic and joyful. And so you're doing yeah, a great so job. Thank you. We're, we're pre-Kang at home. So that's, that's fun. Nice. <laughs> Man, if we lived closer, I would send my kids over there to, they would love to, um, they, they love, the older one loves teaching the younger one. So that's been really great. Yeah. You know? So. Yeah. That's good. So, but congratulations, man. And, uh, you know, when this whole thing gets going, you know, you'll just keep doing your thing. That's what you've been doing. Yeah. So. Yeah. All right, guys. Y'all have a good Thank night. Thank you, Kyle. Thanks, you too. Kyle. I appreciate it. Larry, since we've got a little bit of time here, we really did do a good job. Uh, is there anything else you want to talk about or – no, I think I'd like to leave it on a positive note because the other things I'd want to talk about probably would not leave it on a positive note. So let's leave it that way. Gotcha. Well, you know, we'll <laughs> be back in two weeks to shit it yeah. up. And <laughs> but, yeah, I just – I mean, I, I know I got on a bit of a soapbox there, as I tend to do, but uh, I really want those to be the words that people have pressing in the front of their minds is joy and inspiration because those are the two things that die during something like this. Because yeah. I don't see a lot of, I don't see a lot of joy. I see a lot of people. I mean, that's what people do. They're gonna try to fill a role. I and, and this is me actually making excuses and and being a little easier on the people that annoy me. I think in the absence of, because a lot of people are probably feeling not only disempowered, but they're feeling as if their roles don't matter because people have found out that their roles are incredibly expendable. Right. Yeah. A whole bunch of wrestlers in WWE found out, fuck, we don't need you anymore. Or I think in the case of like, you know, um, of uh, Luke, and, I mean, I think of the Good Brothers. I think it's they're being punished for signing big contracts that they didn't want to give them. And, yeah. you know, that kind of thing is happening right now. And we're seeing a bunch of people, once their roles are removed, I think that's why I have a, such a bone to pick with promoters and bookers, in, especially that have been posting on social media. I think once their, their positions of power have been rendered moot, their only way is to try to lead in some kind of way. And for them, that's, you know, making some kind of revolutionary statement. You don't need to do that. You don't need to lead by spouting off about politics or taking on a role as some kind of expert in <laughs> fucking biology. Like it's okay to say you don't know. And to start with, what do they always say in meditation? Since so many people brought it up, it starts with breathing, right? It starts with the simple thing that you can control. And then you move on to other things that you can control and affect. And the one thing that we can do is we can lift each other up and we can be joyful and we can be, more importantly, inspirational. So, here's here's my tip for social media, for Please. for Facebook and that kind of stuff. At least for, I only use Facebook, as you probably are well aware. For every message that I might type anywhere, there's one that I type that I erase and move on to something else. Probably only <laughs> half the time do I post anything of the things I originally think about posting. Seems to work out better that way. <laughs> I think it does. I think it's a good practical tip of just you, you oh. don't have to say it. You don't have yeah. to say it. 
You don't have to say it. And so, so many times it's better just not to. Well, this has been a pleasure, Steve. Thanks a lot. Yeah. I mean, special shout-out, of course, Irving West, Joe Black, Shalandra Royal, Kyle Matthews. Um, four, yes. four different takes, but four, I think – uh, I do, what are the common threads you see with those four? Because there's definitely a couple things there that they almost all had in common. Well, they had great attitudes. Sure. Yeah, yeah, great attitudes and resiliency for for all of them. Yeah, yeah. Here's what we're finding out, and this is probably going to annoy a lot of people. I think we're finding out something about younger people, and that's they're kind of better equipped to deal with this than older people. Just overall, they're just better. At I agree. It. And I, I think it's because the nature of social interaction has changed. And so for them, it's like, well, it's my, I'm still texting motherfuckers. That's what I always did. <laughs> you know, like I can handle this. And uh, it's very encouraging, Joe, Shalandra, Irving, and Kyle. It's very encouraging that all of them were able to shift gears. And a lot of them talked about people reaching out to them or they reaching out to other people. And I think it's important to keep those social contacts, you know, so great stuff. Well, Larry, thank you so much. I'm going to knock out this quick post show and um, I'm sure I'll talk to you in a couple of weeks. Yeah. And we'll figure something out for two weeks from tonight. Yeah. So where are you going this weekend? Yeah, I got to figure out what the next Netflix series to take on now that I finished all the Tiger King ones and I'm halfway through. Okay. I highly recommend why highly recommend Wild Country and I highly recommend the Atlanta Child Murders for those who are interested in the history of Atlanta oh during that gosh. time period. That show is outstanding for for giving you a flavor of what Atlanta was like in around 1980-81-82. So I'm sure Jeff is going to eventually get tired of me asking him questions based on the Atlanta child murder series, but I can't stop asking him questions. It's so fascinating. Anyway, we will see everybody again soon. Thank you for tuning in and uh, be joyful, be inspirational, and we'll see you in a couple of weeks on the tipping point. Thank you for listening to this broadcast, a production brought to you by the GWH Radio Network. Stay tuned to GeorgiaWrestlingHistory.com for the latest information on upcoming events and more. As always, we thank you for your continued support. Hello, Incites Larry calling you back. Sorry, I'm a little few minutes late. Uh, try me back. Thanks.